For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, a podcast that reassesses a movie that didn't make the grade when it first came out to see whether it needs remarking or if it needs to sit its worthless bottom back down in the dunce's corner. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How you doing, boys? Hi. Very well, thank you, Rob. Excellent, excellent. What have you boys been watching this week? Ooh, it's been uh, a good week, actually. I think Simon and I may have watched one of the same thing anyway this week. Mm. Simon, did you go and see 1917 this week? I did indeed, yes. Yeah, what did you think? I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a, a technical masterclass. Yeah, absolutely nice. flawless from that perspective. I mean, it's it's brilliantly made and performed. I mean, narratively, it's a bit like a video game in places. So they like sort of go from one stage to the next, bump into some icon of British theatre, have a little <laughs> chat with him and then go on to the next mission. But yeah, the, the cinematography is absolutely brilliant. And some of the sequences are just so stirring and goosebump inducing that trench run sequence is towards the end of course everybody there's no spoiler about that because everybody's seen it because it was in the trailer and it's all over Mm. social media but yeah it's really really good yeah it's it's amazing does it feel like um one continuous shot it doesn't it no no because there's i mean there's at one point in the film there's it cuts to black for one right for one point there's about 24 cuts in the film all told and they're pretty well hidden for the most part they're, they're spot- really well done yeah they're really, right. really well done. but i think you know you go you know going into this if you know anything about filmmaking you know that there are cuts in there yeah but yeah, yeah. a lot of the takes must run 10 12 minutes maybe that's even longer crazy. at some yeah, point yeah crazy i read a story about um is it andrew scott yeah uh he his scene how they were saying that they, they he he basically comes at the end of a long take. He has to he has to light a cigarette at the end of this really long take. Yeah, and yeah. they were just like all shitting themselves, relying on this knackered lighter they had to try and light the cigarette. <laughs> really, like, this doesn't work. The whole scene's gone. The whole take has gone. Oh no, no, again. no! So tense. Such a tense filming experience. I'd imagine. I think all those all those cuts are so well done. Really, they are. Yeah, they do hide them really, really well. Cool. Cool. So, what about you? Oh God, I I've like been watching so much like recent since the turn of the year. I've been like, right, I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna watch it. And I've, yeah, basically because I have no money after Christmas because uh, <laughs> it all went into the the pockets of Weatherspoons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Such a classy guy. Imagine you got a lot of beer for that. You know, <laughs> it doesn't cost a lot to drink in Weatherspoons. Still pissed. <laughs> I'm still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> He's ninety percent full English breakfast. <laughs> Only four pounds ninety nine. I don't want to spend it. <laughs> no, I've been I've been watching so much stuff. I won't bore you with everything though. Um, I went to see a thirty five millimeter screening of Uncut Gems at the Prince Charles oh, Cinema so in, in London last week. I, they were they were claiming it was the only place in the world to see a thirty five mil print of it, which is amazing. If so, you got a little. Even so, when you were going in the screen, they handed out little uh, like a little memento of like a bit of film oh, like a, a, awesome. a slice of the film um with a cu- couple of shots on it so that was quite nice oh, lovely but yeah the film's absolutely brilliant really we covered good time on a previous pod good time being the last movie from josh and benny safter who directed this if you haven't seen good time watch it 
and then mm. listen to our podcast about it because it's it was pretty it's pretty good. One. Yeah. It's almost as if it carries on like directly from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, you know like you know what GTA five, this is so obscure and nerdy. But you know Grand Theft Auto Five where you can switch between characters yeah. and it just kind of pops you out on a bird's eye view and then shifts oh, yeah, over yeah, the city yeah. and goes back down again. That's like what this film has done. <laughs> uh, like exactly what the Safdie brothers have done. They've just popped out of Robert Pattinson's head and then shifted over to Adam Sandler in a jewellery store. Because it's all shot the same way. It's so all it definitely feels same... like it's part of the same world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it really is. It's all really grimy, all really claustrophobic. And Adam Sandler, a lot of people have like met, said it already, but he's just so good. He's so, so good. Really? It's like easily his most accomplished role since Punch Drunk Love, which everyone recites, you know, when they say, Adam Sandler can act, he's a good dramatic yeah. actor. And they always say that. Well, they've got another film now. Yeah, uh, they've got two use. now. That they can use. They've got two yeah. now. Uh, three, um, three, three. What's the what click is the other one? Click. Or <laughs> oh, Chuck and Larry. It's a toss-up. Chuck and Larry. <laughs> yes. Or Billy Madison. I mean, he is excellent. Yeah, those are, those early comedies are excellent. Oh no, yeah, Waterboy. but sorry, no. Oh, I'm, we've I'm got being some. Uh, we've got some excellent. He's got range. Give them. He's got some range. Yeah, yeah, give them. Yeah, yeah. Hey Simon, I can uh, tag a Safety Brothers esque uh, segue onto that. So I uh, don't know Ooh. if you're aware of this, but they put a short film out as well this week. Oh, did they? Six and a half minutes of gold, quite literally. Gold Man <laughs> v uh, Silver Man. It's shot by the Safdie brothers and starring Benny, who's one of the Safdies, and one Adam Sandler. Basically, the short is about two living statues in, in Times Square who get involved in a turf war. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, that, is, that premise is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good premise. And uh, it's worth six minutes of anybody's time. It's, um, it's available online, so you can watch it right That's now. That's amazing. I mean, <laughs> what, what are you losing with six minutes? You're not losing anything, are you? No, exactly. Definitely yeah. worth a watch. You know, I say it like I've seen it, or even knew about it. <laughs> Did not know either. Do you reckon they filmed it while they were there? It was like there was a reason they couldn't carry on doing uncut gems. So they were like, oh, fuck it, let's just do this while we're waiting. Yeah, like they couldn't get a location for an afternoon. So they like, should we just go and do <laughs> this? So was it maybe they did it as like a camera test or something, but decided yeah. to cover each other in gold and silver paint just for the fuck oh, of it. <laughs> I'm just really excited to see what they do next. And I know, who yeah. they do. Who they do it with as well. Yeah, who they're going to find this time to to cast massively against type. And, uh, please, please be Jean-Claude Van Damme. Please be Jean-Claude Oh, God, that would be <laughs> so good. <laughs> I know, it would be, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. It yeah. would actually be amazing. Don't give him too much dialogue, lads, and just let him tear around scuzzy New York roundhouse kicking people in the face. <laughs> and film it in your inimitable style. Do it yeah, like that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Awesome. I look forward to adding um, Uncut Gems to The Irishman in my little category of Netflix classics that I hope to watch <laughs> one day, but probably never will. So, <laughs> Outrageous. No, I will do it. I will do it. I will definitely. I will definitely. Um, I don't have... I mean, you guys always... I don't know why I always go last in this question, because my... I don't know why we, you bother, Rob, to be honest. I don't know. No, literally. <laughs> shut up. Like, seriously, my answer to this question is going to prove your point so right. Uh, what have I watched this week? 24 episodes of the original series of Power Rangers. Oh, so, I am um, jealous. The original series of Power Rangers is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that I off mean, your own back as well? Nothing to do with the kids. You just want no, to no. watch it yourself. <laughs> I, I was trying to think, because my little lad shouts ninja quite a lot, and I thought, like, hang on a minute. I've got a little... I've got something in my locker that might... You know, I've got a Netflix classic I can bring out here. So, um, And it turns out he absolutely loves it. 
and he t- he tells everyone at school that he's the blue Power Ranger. Um, so yeah, having watched t- twenty four of these this week, non redeeming features. I mean, some of the worst costumes ever in terms of the baddies. Uh, today's <laughs> you know f- today's favorite featured like a pig's head with a sort of a Roman helmet. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear, the, pig... the people who make kids TV are just on crack the whole time. Uh, no, they are, right. <laughs> but the, the pig's head was five feet tall and it had two little little hooves coming out the bottom and little hooves coming out of its mouth. And it was eating stuff. Um, there's also a lot of, I mean, dreadful stereotyping going on. Um, we don't need to go very far <laughs> to say that the only African-American character just happens to be Black Ranger. Oh, wow. And the only Asian <laughs> wow. character happens to be Yellow Ranger. Oh, my God. Um, seriously? Oh my God. Seriously, it is absolutely disgraceful. Um, but can we move on to some redeeming features? <laughs> um, absolutely amazing fight choreography, considering it's a weekly show. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, brilliant turns from the two comic relief characters, Bulk and Skull. Uh, one fat guy and uh, one, well, thin guy. Um, but they make Sorry, the most. Sorry, we're we still out. talking about Power Rangers. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, it deserves it, James. It deserves it. Deserves, it deserves, yeah. And. Um, <laughs> I'll be and back in I, five minutes. <laughs> I think genuinely it's got one of the top ten best TV theme songs of all time. Seriously. Go, go, Power Rangers. You know it straight away. I mean, as soon as I hear that, I want to rip my shirt off and kick a putty man in the face. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I, this has been a journey this week. Um, a very uneasy one at times. Have you found yourself walking around doing really extravagant hand gestures? Because I, <laughs> no, I, I not really that, but I find myself <laughs> saying things like "Yeah" <laughs> a lot. Go, stop it! No, uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a weird. It's been a weird impact. But as a like as a curio, I mean, it's a proper curio. This because it, it looks like you know when it, it's clearly filmed in America when it's with the kids. And then it's clearly filmed in Japan when they're in costumes. <laughs> yeah. Even the like the the film stock is different. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it looks like I, a totally different thing. I thought it was they did that because it was originally Japanese, and then they sort of used that across the world. Yeah. And then they each country or whichever region or territory filmed their own sort of school bits oh, with yeah, the yeah. real people. That would be incredible. I, I never knew that. And it's quite ingenious, actually. It is no, it it works. I I do. I had no. Do you think that's right, Sai? Do you think that's what they did? That would make sense. I would love to see that. I might be completely wrong, but it's a great bit of false trivia. If it is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some lovely fictional trivia. So then, in which case, if that's the case, why on earth did we get force-fed the American version where we could have had some like five hopeless British guys? <laughs> Eating imagine. black pudding and cups of tea. And, you know, <laughs> imagine if it was like set in the northeast or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bloody Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Biker Grove, but with. <laughs> yeah, Biker Grove. It was Angel Grove in the American one is where it was set. Oh, we could have had Ant and Deck in the, um, in, yeah. as, the as the Power Rangers. That would have been well, amazing. And still have the same PJ in my eye. <laughs> we could still have had it. I'm blind, man. I'm blind. <laughs> The heartbreaking three-episode saga where the Blue Ranger loses his eyesight. <laughs> we just lost all of our American listeners. At this. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. But you know what, American listeners, you know what we're talking about here. You know, so imagine um, those guys in Angel Grove, but as <laughs> stuffy British stereotypes. Please do. It will be unbelievable. You know. Oh. 
Uh, anyway, anyway. That was an um, excellent episode of Power Pod. Join us again <laughs> next week. <laughs> so, um, much like Power Rangers, because my mum and dad were not keen on us watching Power Rangers because of the violence. No, no, were mine. Yeah, yeah. My nana was obviously fine with it. Yeah. Oh, your nana was executive <laughs> producer. <laughs> Tonight's film features some moments, despite it clearly being aimed at more of a family audience, that are genuinely quite dark and a little bit violent. So it got me thinking a little bit about other movies that we've all watched growing up that are pitched at a family audience, but of unexpected moments of darkness. So does anything spring to mind, guys? Oh, God. How long have you got? I feel like I should be telling this to my psychiatrist rather than... (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, obviously the correct answer is the whole of Watership Down. So just put that straight in the bin. Absolute nightmare fuel. Horrendous. (laughs) From start to finish. (laughs) Devastating stuff. Horrendous. Not for children. I wouldn't watch it now. No. Like, they made a new one on the BBC <laughs> last year. I wouldn't watch it. What, the, the, the rabid rabbits? The, yeah. The, the, oh, the river is... of blood. Yeah, oh, it's horrendous. Really horrible, isn't it? <laughs> Not for kids. Not for kids. Uh, but I've got a few others that devastated me as a child. Uh, have you both seen Short Circuit 2? Oh, oh, oh yes. James, what a shout. What a shout. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. So the most upsetting thing in that film is not uh, Fisher Stevens' brown face. (laughs) Johnny Five gets the living shit kicked out of him by some hoodlums down the docks at one point. It's absolutely devastating. I remember just being inconsolable. It's not even, you know, that's actually getting into the third act. I had to come back the next day to see him get his revenge. So yeah, it's really it's like two like gangsters, isn't it? And yeah, just proper dude with like, baseball bats. Yeah, and, and he's everything. like, I'm oh, alive, I'm alive. Oh, and they're like crowbarring him in the face oh, and all. So does it, doesn't he like bleed battery fluid as well? Thanks for thanks for opening those wounds, James. <laughs> I, I yeah. cried Long for like an hour. Though. Like could not stop crying. <laughs> He couldn't even defend himself because his laser that he had in the first film had now been like made into like a you know a little like sort of futuristic backpack and it just had like fun stuff inside and they just <laughs> beat him almost to death. He couldn't he couldn't whir him round a corner with one of his eyeballs hanging out with something. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. About to go in the fetal position on the floor. <laughs> Stop, drop and roll. So, yeah, I've got a couple of others as well. Um, so, Gordon Bombay, do you remember why he is in charge of the Mighty Ducks in yes, that first film? I do, is yeah. It, it, it's community service, isn't it? He's on community it, service. Do you know what he's on community service for, Simon? Is it drink driving or something? Drunk driving! <laughs> he could have killed a kid. <laughs> what, did he kill a kid? He could have. <laughs> Oh no! Sorry, I thought that's what he said. Sorry, sorry. No, no t- you know, don't listen, everyone. George Bombay didn't kill a child, but you know, well, he could that we know of. <laughs> yeah, who knows how many times he drove home drunk from the bar? Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> it's not Al Powell from Die Hard who killed him. <laughs> oh no, no, that I was killed a duty. That was a duty. <laughs> Let's put him in charge of this ice hockey team. <laughs> What a film, though. What yeah, a film. brilliant film, but, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah. Second one's good. Th- third one, not so much. But, yeah, what a film. What a film. And then my final one that springs to mind is uh, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when the animated and sentient shoe is murdered by being dipped in a vat of anti-toon goo. That is serious, yes. 
the end of Roger Rabbit as well, yeah. where Christopher Lloyd get, goes a bit nuts. That's scary, but he's a baddie, sort of deserves it. Yeah, that's it. allowed. Like, yeah. <laughs> that poor shoe just gets dropped in as a demonstration, and he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> the transition of Christopher Lloyd to Toon version is horrible. Oh, yeah, that, it is. That yeah. horrifies me as a kid. That yeah, whole definitely. sequence at the end there is pretty pretty gross. I've got, I've got a problem with, um, uh, like, this is a mental quirk of mine. It won't be the first one we talk of, and it definitely won't be the last. Um, but it's that, you know, um, the uh, climate change activist, uh, Greta Thunberg. Yes. Yeah? yes. Um, when it's said, like, her, the way you pronounce her name, Greta Thunberg, it sounds like a suburb of <laughs> the place in Fruit Frame Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Greta Thunberg. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I struggle with it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! <laughs> who, who says we're not woke on the uh, <laughs> the FYR podcast? That's really funny. <laughs> Sai, what about you, mate? Come on, my girl. Do you ever see my? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He so can't see time. without his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. <laughs> you got lovely, sweet Macaulay Culkin. Gets absolutely massacred by bees <laughs> at some point in the film, and then there's a funeral of him. Yeah. And it, and, That's and where that line comes from because they bury him without his glasses on, and she comes sprinting to the front and tries to oh, stick his glasses oh, on a corpse. And, oh. so Macaulay Culkin, like on a corpse. It's, a, it's an open casket funeral oh. with all these bee stings on him. Yeah. Oh, horrible! It's really not horrible. on at all. <laughs> <laughs> The other one, what the foot? Well, this was actually the first one. What jump out? The motherfucking witches. Oh yes! Oh my god! Yes. We watched this in primary school, and they had to turn it off because everyone was really, really scared. <laughs> <We're> screaming. <laughs> <laughs> we love Roald Dahl, don't we, kids? That is Yay. not anymore. We fucking don't. <laughs> that is. I mean, none of that is for children. I mean, what on earth is Angelica going on? Angelica Houston. Pulls yeah. her face off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not for kids. I think I said on a previous pod that it's directed by Nick Rogan. <laughs> directed yeah, yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> like, <laughs> no wonder it is so intense. <laughs> oh, it's it's fucking terrifying. It's really terrifying. I also love how in that film, a lot of the you know the extras in the crowd of of all the witches are just men in wigs. <laughs> just big burly men. In wigs. <laughs> So good, but these are so such cornerstones, though, aren't they? Though, like my girl and the witches. If you're our age, mid thirties, you've seen them multiple times. Well, no, I've seen them once. Oh, no. That's enough for me. On, oh, and that was it. That was enough. <laughs> yeah, no more of that. <laughs> <laughs> like my wife said to me, like, um, right, I'm going to show the kids the witches this weekend. No, and I was like, no, I was like don't. diving over sofas to try and take the remote off. Like, <laughs> no, no, don't do it. No. You'll scar them. <laughs> such oh. good answers and such a good discussion. Um, I think, um, looking at mine, I'm thinking Disney's responsible for quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> um, so obviously you've got Bambi's mum iced. Yeah. Dumbo, that moment where Dumbo is parted from his mum and she hugs Oh, God. Him. That is just... Like, we used to watch that every Thursday at my uh, grandma and granddad's house. <laughs> and I, every, just before it happened, I would always go like... I think I need a poo. 
And I'd wander <laughs> off for 10 minutes until it was over and come back. Like, it just, you know, I just couldn't face watching it over and over and over. That admitting I needed a bowel movement was pr- more preferable than sitting through it. <laughs> the saddest craps ever. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd, I'd, you know, if I came back too early, I'd go back up the stairs like, oh, too soon. You know, it's she's still rocking him. Oh, (laughs) back up the stairs. Did any of you guys see the live action one? (laughs) No, 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 I'd like. I really liked it. I really. Is it any good? Yeah. Oh well. Oh, it was really good. Really good. Definitely not one as bad as they say. But hey, I love everything, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got. I've also got um, the Rats of Nim. Do you remember that? I've never seen that. What's What's that? that? Animated. um, Like again, this is one where I watched it once and I was like, "No, thank you." And I can't remember too much about it, although the title is ingrained in my head. So it's an animated movie that came out about the same time as Warship Down, and um, it involves yeah rats on a in a field warring with each other, but they're big and horrible, and the animation is absolutely amazing. And I seem to remember like a combine harvester mowing everyone down, and it was just being not Nora. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how did that get through the pitch stage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can you imagine it? it was just after Warship Down? Like they've done one about animals. We can do one. What should we do? Rats. We'll do yeah, rats. No one cares about them. Yeah. No, I get. Yeah, mow them down. Mow is them it down. the secret of Nim, Rob? Is that? Is that? Yeah, that's it, that's it. Secret yeah. Sorry, I've just You're found right, it here. Man. Yeah, it looks super fucked up. <laughs> uh, after that, I was gonna say Labyrinth, but I cannot find anything to do with. David Bowie's outfit in in that <laughs> scary. So anytime David Bowie's not on screen, apart from yeah, his massive testicles, that's what I'm talking about here. That, it stops being serious because of what he's wearing. Um, so I'm going to go with the Dark Crystal instead. Oh yeah, yeah, not for kids. That not no. for kids. But I, there's no way, no part of me that can get past when I look at this um, of the sheer audacity of Mac and me being a you. And it featuring a wheelchair-using boy being both thrown off a cliff and getting shot in the chest. I just cannot. And dying. Sorry, no, let's not forget that. I can't go past it. It's a you! It's a you! Universal, suitable for all, plugging kids in the chest. Marvellous. So I can't get past that. It's too good for me. Oh, oh, Rob's vendetta against Mac and me continues. Yeah, yeah. A second mention. Perhaps he'll, uh, in the way that he's reassessed ET in the last week, maybe in ten years' time, he'll he'll, he'll be <laughs> shouting the praises of Mac and me from the rooftop. James, I think James, as you as you so often say to me, James, um, the difference is that ET is actually good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. We've had a little chinwag between us, haven't we? And we think now is the time to reveal um, a bit of a comp. I, th- I we think, uh, ladies and gents and listeners out there, that um, we're going to do some merch and become one of those scurrilous peddlers of merchandise that you see in podcasts all over. So there's going to be uh, like a little wee merchandise store coming. But I think, uh, well, we think you should pitch your name in to win a T-shirt early before anybody else. 
So we've got a T-shirt lined up and the winner of this will go to the person who simply retweets or shares the link to tonight's episode and we'll pull one out of the hat and you will win a T-shirt. And on it, what does it say, guys? It says, well, it's got the logo of the podcast, but it's also got my other outfit is double denim. It's JCVD approved. Not really. It is. Not really. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so if you would like your very own FYR, uh, this is the first of all This time. is an original pressing. Like, I don't own one of these. One of a kind. One of a kind, <laughs> original FYR t-shirt. All you got to do is share the link to, the, to tonight's uh, episode. Okay? Awesome. Um, whose pick was it tonight? It was mine. Tell me more, James. <laughs> should we have a look? Should we have a little cheeky logline to set it up? Put, hit me oh, with it. Please. Hit me with it. Don't leave me in suspense, please. Based on the Magic Kingdom's themed land of the same name, Tomorrowland is the story of how an insanely good-looking, disillusioned genius inventor <laughs> and a teenage science whiz kid travel to an intriguing alternate dimension where their actions directly affect our world. That's not mine. What's not yours? The pen. I've never... What if there was a place? Dad, I just need you to look at this. Does it look weird? A secret place. Where nothing is impossible. You're not saying this? Casey, stop it! Go away! Did you see the dog? Cool. I want you to take me there. Take you where? Where'd you get this? Who are you, kid? What you saw was a place where the best and the brightest people in the world came together to actually change it. We've been looking for someone like you for a very long time. Why? Did something happen over there? Something bad? They followed you here? Who? Come on! Get in! How is this a good idea? There's one way in. They know we're coming, so follow me. People, why me? He thinks you can fix the future. Hang on. You wanted to see Tomorrowland. Here it comes. James, why did you pick Tomorrowland? Okay, so first off, on the basis of the film, I think it's brilliant. I honestly don't understand why it isn't better regarded, to be honest. (laughs) It's such an optimistic movie, jam-packed, full of ideas. Sometimes its reach exceeds its grasp, but it's a swing for the fences original movie, and I think it's really good. I thought it was good at the time. I've watched it again, and I think it's actually better than I remember it being. Oh, nice, nice. And secondly, uh, another reason why it sort of popped back into my mind to give it a revisit was I was watching the the Watchmen series, which Damon Lindelof Mm. had uh, created and and run and wrote all the episodes for. And I I was watching it. I was just like, this guy is a 
fucking genius. So I went back and I knew after Lost he'd sort of got into movies and doing and um, writing scripts and he'd done like Star Trek Into Darkness and Cowboys and Aliens and stuff like that. Prometheus, not a great run. And I went back <laughs> through the scripts that he'd he'd written and I went, ah, Tomorrowland. That that was a good movie. So I thought, right, let's let's do that one then. Nice. So, what such a good reason. Yes. <laughs> Genuine good reasons than just, you know, like the usual, like, oh, I watched it when I was a kid and it was all right. (laughs) 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 So you've seen it, James. Uh, Si, have you seen it? I hadn't. This was my first watch, actually. I've been meaning to watch it for a while because I love gorgeous George Clooney. But um, yeah, I never never got around to watching (laughs) it. And I like Brad Bird as well. Yes. It came and went really quick, I remember. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this this was my first watch. No, uh, um, can I get on that train as well? My first watch too. Oh, lovely. Not only had I never seen it, I uh, had no interest in seeing it. No. Ah, so this was one of those where um, I had a purpose for seeing a movie. Were you dreading um, watching it? <laughs> Were you like, oh, shit, I no, can't believe like, this this there, was, there was a little bit of like, ah, this is just going to pass me by. Yeah. Um, but I think you can tell from my tone of voice that I don't feel that way anymore. So I'm going <laughs> to leave it the way it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll wait till the big the big showdown at the end. It's those <laughs> low expectations. They can make a movie. They can. Like if you, <laughs> can. I think you're right. Really if, you, if you go in not expecting anything and you get pleasantly surprised, I think the movie, you know, you come out, the movie comes out so much more positively than otherwise, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, well, that begs the question then, how does it qualify? So you probably, having watched the movie, big budget, Film so this made two hundred and nine million worldwide from a hundred and ninety million dollar budget. Now that is not profitable, and in fact made a huge loss when you factor in marketing promotion. According to the folks at the Bomb Report, Disney stood to lose one hundred and forty million dollars on this movie. The fact the website is called the Bomb Report. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, just talked about box office bombs. It's quite interesting. (laughs) Um, but it's it's quite funny that the 140 million was probably the marketing budget for the film, you know, to market it worldwide. Yeah. Oh my! And word, considering yeah. that they didn't have a clue how to market it, they may as well just flush that money straight down the toilet. To be perfectly honest, because uh, one of the things I will say about the film, as much as I enjoy it, I have no idea who it's supposed to be for. No. No, like or, no, how, very or how they marketed it at all. Like, well, like um, I can't remember a single bit of marketing. No, I I remember I remember a trailer, like a, a, a interesting trailer. Yeah, yeah, and that was about it. I don't recall like Clooney doing a big press tour about it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the three day weekend, isn't it? So when the movie comes out in the states, if it doesn't track close to what it's supposed to be doing, then all of that promotion that go would then go into the second week, you know, to improve the box office so it doesn't drop off too much. That just comes to a halt immediately. Right, They just right. cut their losses straight away. So oh, when seriously? this came out and it was clearly going to bomb, then they just they just stop then. They don't bother trying... They don't try and so flog a dead horse, they don't, they don't try and get, give a second wind or anything No, like no, because they're like, it's, it's dead, like, it's just won't recover. If you don't hit the recover. ground running, you're knackered and they pull the plug. Yeah, basically, yeah. Wow. What month did it come out? So it was 2015, wasn't it? It was in summer. Um, I've not got the month to hand. Let me check. I think if I remember rightly, you know, I say remember rightly, Google remembers rightly, that it was, <laughs> like, it was like May time of 2015. Now, the sequel to The Avengers came out at the end of April. 
I don't know if that had an effect on it box office wise. Maybe. That, um, which one's that one? Is it the Age of Age of Ultron, which is, yeah. in my opinion, the worst Marvel movie of the lot of them. <laughs> you know, we'll 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 talk into. I, I guess we'll talk about reasons why it failed. Uh, future, but I, I think that's one of them. Yeah, you're you're spot on, Simon. Uh, May twenty second, twenty fifteen. So yeah, that wow. was a month after Avengers, and you have to assume that that was still going strong in cinemas. Yes. Oh yeah, it time. will have been, won't it? Well, it wasn't. It doesn't. Isn't that another one that pulled in a billion dollars worldwide? Or, you Probably. Know? Yeah. 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 So that had to have run. Yeah, it's definitely in the top like ten, isn't it? Of like biggest of all time. Good yeah. Grief. So you know, Disney kind of screwing itself over <laughs> with the release schedule. Was it a Disney movie back then, though? Uh, yeah. The 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 first. I think um, Disney had acquired it by the time it started. The whole right, right. I mean, I think Paramount put out Iron Man, but I think. As that got released, it, it, Disney had done their takeover by then. Right, right. I guess they just didn't give a shit that it failed. Yeah, I like, suppose, well, yeah. We're, we're about to make it all back. Yeah. Times 10, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's how it qualifies, I suppose. But does it also would it also qualify critically, Si? It does, actually. Um, does it? Yeah. So, oh, one of the rare double one. Well, no, there's yeah. not, it's not rare on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say yeah. a lot about Van Damme, but his movies made money at the box office. That's the ones true. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> well, I don't think he's made a, a movie that's had more of a budget than scale. sort of 15 million quid uh, dollars. So, you know, um, we ain't talking $190 million. That's, that's unbelievable. A that's a big purse, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And this is, what is this? Is this two years after John Carter? Yeah, and and like and another um, pick Disney Pixar alumni as well at the helm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Andrew Stanton did John Carter, and then uh, oh. Brad Bird. Brad, what did Brad Bird do? The Incredibles. That's yeah, the Incredibles, did, yeah. and then he made his live action debut with Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible Ghost Protocol, which has yeah. the the sequence in uh, is it Dubai up the yeah uh, yeah oh, the Burj Khalifa yeah, yeah yeah oh my god what a sequence that is so that One sequence is so good time, the movie yeah. never recovers from it because yeah. everyone in the audience is just like Jesus Christ Tom yeah <laughs> <laughs> I went to see that at the IMAX just to watch the 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 Dark Knight Rises thing before it so did I yeah but then I came, I went with my brother and I came out and I was like glad we saw that it was <laughs> yeah. brilliant and then. Thus began my obsession with the Mission Impossible franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think um, Stanton and Bird have like barbecues together in the summer? Like, like uh, we we drained Disney of four hundred million dollars <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to celebrate. Yeah, didn't they? Yeah. Do you think they do? <laughs> and they still let us make movies for Pixar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, yeah. Uh, cr- so critically. Rotten Tomatoes, are, you know, our sort of standard metric, has it at 50% critic-wise, and audience is 49%, so just about the same. Metacritic, Metacritic's a bit more favourable at 60 but then reading through the reviews, they were mainly middle of the road, and there was like the odd one going like either side of the coin. Mm. So Empire, The Guardian, Total Film, all gave it four stars. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Our mate Mick LaSalle finally got one, Mick. Bloody hell, you lazy Good lad. Bastard. You've been having a few weeks <laughs> off, Mick. He, he viewed it really positively, actually. And he, he said, um, the movie is saying something worth hearing about the place the future holds, the concept and promise of it in human existence. 
It's an attempt to wrest that vision from the narrow fantasies of doom-peddling action filmmakers. That's an attempt worth making. Ah, Yeah, he really liked it. He did say that it took a while to get going, which was kind of the adverse of what a lot of the critics were saying, where they said the first half was good, but the second half was rubbish. Not rubbish, but more boring. Yeah. But it didn't really get too many bad reviews. There was one what stuck out. uh, Kevin Mayer in The Times gave it one star. Whoa, he Kev. He, he Kev, you've, let you say, you've embarrassed yourself there, Kev. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not a one-star movie. He wasn't a fan of the like uh, relentless Disney product placement, but it, it, it just didn't get enough, I guess it just didn't get enough really good reviews to give it yeah. a bit of hype, yeah, you know, yeah. to sort of get you know bums on seats and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, th- I guess it's an re- extension of the Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 49%. Mm. Letterboxd is at lowly 27 Whoa! I think even Van Damme's had a better one than that. Yeah. yeah. A hell of a lot of people, they sort of found it, um, I don't know how to say it. I, I guess the best way to do it is sort of illustrate it with a few really quick-fire reviews for it. So, Henri Gergesen, one and a half stars. Boring. <laughs> Av Sinensky uh, reviewed it half a star. When this movie wasn't incredibly boring, it was a total mess. Uh, this was also watched by Coe's uh, who give it one star. All I remember is passing the fuck out in the theatre. I think I'm friends with him on... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then the, the good one, which summed it up perfectly in terms of a, a lot of people on Letterboxd. This was by Isaac Quick. Uh, he just simply said, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Letterboxd, the get... gift that keeps on giving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can we, can we just have a little nod to the names you just read out there, Si? You know, of these people. Isaac Quick. <laughs> I think that's his actual real name. Like, <laughs> I mean, blinking M. Night Shyamalan could not have come up with that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's a villain for the beast in the next Glass movie. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Incredible. Um, yeah, it, it seems a lot of people... People just did not get on board with what the message was and how yeah. it was said. Um, there was a lot of accusations of it being preachy, mm. and I just think the vast majority of people didn't appreciate that. Yeah, is oh, the could... world that we live in too cynical for a movie like this to mm-hmm. to succeed? Yeah, absolutely. Could well be. Could absolutely. well be. Yeah, yeah. could well be. Because uh, I mean, as we'll get to, the message is indeed very pure, isn't it? It's yeah. almost possibly too pure, isn't it? Yes, for, it, is. and it can, get, it can guy, yeah. get a little bit cloying as uh, at some points, and a bit as as Simon sort of alluded to, that it can get a little bit preachy in places. But that didn't bother me too much because no. it felt like it was in tune with what the film was trying to say, and the overarching themes of the film is that it is a positive, aggressively optimistic film yeah. in terms yeah. of what it's setting out and we'll get into that as we get into the film itself but, but isn't it good to have this kind of positive entertainment yes though? you know yeah. it's almost like an antidote you know we need to have the good with the bad we need to have the dark movies as well with the light movies i'm not sure whether this is where this critically fails and i think it comes more down to what you said originally james is that i don't know who it's for yeah yeah you know who is supposed to be the audience for this that's definitely from a financial standpoint i think disney sort of overegged how much the public engaged with the tomorrowland area within the magic kingdom you know <laughs> yeah. i went to the magic kingdom when i was 13 i know that tomorrowland is there but 
I never thought, oh, well, I, I wish this land in this theme park was a movie. <laughs> was yeah, a movie. yeah. Because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see this in the cinema. I caught this on Blu-ray, you know, when uh, yeah. after it had been and gone and was very pleasantly surprised by it. And then, but I wasn't enticed to go to the cinema to watch well, do you, it. Do you think this is like a case of Disney looking at what, like the sheer massive success the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise had, which is essentially based on a ride, an area yeah. of their mm. park, and thought, like, where else can we get some material? Yeah, yeah, I think so, and Tomorrowland's yeah. over there, so we can do it there. I think they probably went to Damon Lindelof, who's obviously coming off Lost at that time as well, and he's getting into writing screenplays, big budget stuff. And they probably said, well, what could you do with a Tomorrowland yeah, movie? Yeah. And, you know, and he came back with this because everything that he does, whether you like his stuff or not, it's all big ideas and big, yes, big yeah, themes. This is what he definitely. always goes for. And political yeah. as well. It's all political Very political. Well, Watchmen for damn sure is. Um, yeah. And what he wanted to do with this, so there's a really good quote from him here, actually. Him and Brad Bird, we were trying to say something about the future and about the way people think about the future that tapped into Walt Disney's fundamental idea back in the 1950s that the future was bright. And that's a much harder idea to get across these days because we have a fixation with the apocalypse. That's interesting. Really interesting. And extremely sobering as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, but I, I definitely see that in the movie that he's, that he's a part of. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's quite bold, especially in America, to basically just stand there and go, you're all idiots, <laughs> which is yeah, basically, basically yeah, what this yeah, film yeah. You're The message of the film wrong. is like, yeah. all these boffins tried to tell, tell you that the world was in trouble and you've done nothing about it, so we're just yeah. going to fucking leave you to it now. It's that, <laughs> like, that, that point. Like, it, I know this is, you know... Uh, I'm assuming, and if you've not gone and watched Tomorrowland, listeners, please go and watch it before we carry on, before you yeah. rejoin the podcast at this point, um, because what I'm about to say is a bit of a, will be a definite spoiler for it, but it's there's a moment where Hugh Laurie does a, a monologue, doesn't he? Yes. Mm. And it's where he's supposed to be the villain, but I agree with everything he says. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like... I don't, you know, I don't know where I am here. It's just because you've said it in a very forceful way that I totally agree with you, but you're still the yeah. bad guy. But you know. the, what the film, the the way that he's a bad guy in the universe of the film is that mm. Casey, who's the heroine, she's an optimist, whereas he's a cynic and he's given up essentially yes. in terms yeah. of. It's like we've told them that the world's going to end. They're not doing anything about it, so I'm leaving them to it now, and they're not coming to my new dimension because they'll ruin this as well. Whereas yeah, she's yeah. like. Well, there's still a chance we can still fix it. That's what makes him the villain within that, uh, within yeah. the universe of this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at that point, this what rolls. Hugh Hugh Laurie's now the goodie for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's the baddie. <laughs> a lot of credit to Damon Lindelof actually, because he, I mean, we're jumping to the end of the film already. But you've got your classic villains, which are robots who are you know dispensable robots who get their heads ripped off. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. But like you say, the villain isn't necessarily a villain. Yeah. It's just a, a different idea of what Yeah, it's a clash of ideas. Is. It's, just it's not, a philosophical clash of ideas which is the antagonist in this film. Yeah. He's not he's not out murdering people. He's not out like he's he's just he's just going on, well, I, yeah. I want him. Yeah the best for my life and, and yeah. that's without the rest of humanity. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure everyone in Tomorrowland is like, Well, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. We don't, don't want don't... the thickos coming here and ruining it for the rest of us. I don't want that. I'm the dead racists. happy. Dead happy. Yeah. The anti-vaxxers and the flat earthers. Can like, do without all that. Idiots. Can do without all that. 
is it is it a little bit um and this could be why people didn't like the preachy element of this is it a little bit rich that damon lindelof and brad bird have chosen uh, the platform for this message to be a movie in which 190 million dollars was spent yes. on sharing this message <laughs> <laughs> which could have done well who knows <laughs> you know what i mean clooney doesn't work for free you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, that Nespresso yeah. money anyway. only goes so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, if only it made more at the box office, then more people have heard their message. Yeah. Anyway, so um, should we go through the movie? Yes, shall yeah, we look yeah. at the movie? Oh, oh! Before we get into the plot itself, there's a couple of uh, FYR alumni in the crew here. If we've, oh, do, we, do you know who these guys are? Did they, no, did they crop I up in do research not. at all? The composer so, has been mentioned definitely. Yes. Um, go on, Simon. Do you know who? Do you know what he, who that is? Sorry, I can never pronounce his name. Michael Giacchino. I don't oh, know. <laughs> Mickey G. For an extra point, name the FYR previous movie that he scored. Uh, oh no, thirty episodes. Double impact. 30 episodes. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> wow. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. It's not um, John, John Carter. Carter. Close. It's another misguided children's film that we covered quite early on. Speed Racer. Yes. Ah. <laughs> I won a question. I did a question yes, right. Did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Only took 30 episodes and nearly a year. <laughs> and this uh, movie is also shot quite beautifully, I might add, by FYR alumni and Academy Award winner Claudio Miranda. Can you name ah. the FYR movie he shot? No. I can't no. even recognise <laughs> Tron. Uh, yes, Tron. Oh, was it? Oh, yes. Nice. No wonder you win all this trivia stuff, Sai. So, <laughs> well, welcome me. back, gents. Nice to see you both again. Just take a seat down there. We'll have a chat afterwards. Um, <laughs> do you think that Claudio prizes uh, his Oscar more or being featured on this podcast more than once? Uh, I think well, definitely the podcast. <laughs> what, did he, what did he win his Oscar for? Uh, Life of Pi. Oh, yeah, Life of Pi is good. Although he, he got a lot of shit for that, didn't he? Because it was like, oh, it's like 90% CGI. <laughs> you still have to shoot the fucker so it blends in <laughs> well. In 3D. <laughs> it's fucking hard. <laughs> you still have to light it as if it's yeah. real. Like, it's really fucking <laughs> difficult. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, um, the film starts with some really rousing music, courtesy of, as we now know, Mickey G, Michael Giacchino. Yes. Um, can I just say, in my latest novel, I said that the main character chilled out at home listening to some Michael Giacchino. <laughs> and it made the final draft. So, just you wait till publication this April. <laughs> You're going to hear. We haven't mentioned the gorgeous uh, Disney, the rework of the Disney logo as well. Oh, we do like oh. a rework of a Disney logo, don't we? Here? We've had one, Tron, we've had John, John Carter. Oh, yeah, this is another classic. It's another this is classic. gorgeous. It's really, oh, yeah. really cool, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair, it's yeah. been quite a while since we've gone to shill for the mouse house, hasn't it? So we're going to cut off our funding <laughs> at this rate. There's a pa- there is a pattern emerging with the old Disney. <laughs> there, there is a little bit. In fact, you know, when I mentioned to some friends that uh, on the podcast we were going to do another big budget Disney, one, uh, they said immediately, Oh, it's Simon's pick, isn't it? <laughs> I said, No, no. Uh, we've all got our sticks in life, haven't we? They're not wrong. <laughs> the one after my next one is a big budget Disney flop. So. <laughs> 
right back in your wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, so, uh, James, it's your pick. Do you want to tell us how this film gets going? Yeah, so we pick up with George Clooney uh, looking very salt and peppery, but very grumpy as well. And he's giving an address direct to camera and he's talking about a bad event Mm. that's going to be coming down the pike at some point. And he keeps getting interrupted by someone off screen who we don't see at this point. And then basically the female voice that we hear off screen tells him that we need to start from the beginning. So we flash back to 1964 and the World's Fair and a young... Very cute child George Clooney going to said World Fair with a jetpack that he built in his back garden. <laughs> yeah, so legendary. You sort of pick up um, from there. Yeah. I don't know what I enjoyed more about this: um, the jetpack that nearly works, or the kid's immaculate bowl cut. Oh, um, it's so good! <laughs> both were wonderful because I, you know, I didn't have the jetpack, but I sure had the bowl cut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it feels like the Jetsons, doesn't it? This? Yes, it does, yeah. yeah. Definitely I, does. The Jetsons cropped up a lot when I was watching this film. Yeah, which, it which does, is yeah. one of the reasons I really liked it. Like, especially yeah, yeah. the aesthetic of it all. And the music as well, like the swirling. Yeah, like. Brad Bird has that sort of... You're right, James, yeah. I was listening to uh, Mark Komoda review the film before we came on, and he said he sort of has this retro-futuristic look to all of this stuff, yeah. so the Incredibles yeah. have this as well, where and it is very Jetsons in that it sense. Is, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, futuristic, yeah. but it's also sort of 1950s as well at yeah, the same yeah. time. Like It's really, really good. So he goes wandering around the World's Fair, and he um, bumps into Hugh Laurie, who's not as much of a dick as he turns out to be <laughs> come the end. <laughs> uh, and a little girl called Athena, who gives him a pin. Yeah. I love Hugh Laurie being sort of a slimy Tim Curry-esque character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a little bit of jambon going on here. <laughs> yeah, like Hugh Laurie, like, out of, well, it was purely from House, wasn't it? He's now, like, a massive actor in America and everyone yeah, absolutely yeah. loves him whereas in Britain we know him as a, a comedian from the yeah. 80s and early 90s it's yeah. such an incredible dichotomy it's isn't just, it it's just brilliant how he's just suddenly become this dare I say sex symbol oh. as well you dare say Simon you dare say it so he brings his busted jetpack and it doesn't really work does it yes. but he's had the idea to build it and as a result, Athena, the little girl who's with Hugh Laurie, sort of takes a shine to him and tells yeah. him to follow them when they go on the It's a Small World ride. No, we can't talk about this, James. We can't <laughs> talk about the It's a Small World ride. Um, I, I, I like urban myths, right? And you know that music like, It's a small world after all. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Do, you guys have both been to Disney, haven't you? You've, you've yeah, done yeah, this yeah. ride, yeah. yeah. Do you know that urban myth of that... Um, lady who was on the ride and uh, all the lights came up and they were all directed to the fire exits as quick as possible, right? You know this one? Do you not know and this they one? they were no. real children. No, 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 no. And she, this was back um, in the late 90s and she had a, you know, a point and click disposable and she took a photo, took photographs as she was going off and they were all rubbish apart from one which was pointed at the, you know, it was at the rafters. Way up, you know, like when you're on the ride it's pitch black above you, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. The camera, the the photograph that emerges, and we'll retweet this for listeners this week, <laughs> is of um, a child holding a balloon that's at the rafters. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, and um, whenever Not I creepy hear creepy ghost balloon children, no, <laughs> no, yeah, it's a small world. 
no, I can't. Th- I cannot see anything other than this. No. Um, so, boys, I can't believe you didn't know this actually. So, um, as soon as this happened, I was like, right, this this film is ten percent more scary than it needs. To be. <laughs> <laughs> it turned into a gorgeous log flume ride, though. I wish it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, fortunately, well, nothing quite as harrowing happens to young George Clooney <laughs> who can grow up to sell yeah. Nespresso machines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Basically, an infrared thing uh, takes a snap of this pin that Athena gave him. They go down a cheeky little log flume, and he ends up in Tomorrowland yes. uh, on a bridge. And he's followed them there, and he's like, wow, this is amazing. And then some big old robots who were like just doing some general maintenance fix his jetpack. And then the first of a few really rousing sequences in this film, he falls off a bridge for some reason, he's pissing about. And um, his jetpack works and he flies all the way around Tomorrowland on his jetpack and nobody else has one. Yeah. And that sort of sets up something that's quite important later in the film. And it's just wondrous and the score's brilliant and the effects are great yeah. and it's just really joyous sequence. Joy, joy's a great word, yeah. Joy's a great word there. Yeah, the score is like the epitome of that, isn't it? Because yeah. good old Mickey G's score has such a like a real sense of wonderment and intrigue. It's so vintage as well, and it really yeah. suits what's going on. And he's just, he's hit the brief, like, fucking brilliantly, hasn't he? Yeah. He smashed it, yeah. And it's all really reminiscent of um, of a Spielberg heyday John Williams. Yes. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows how to rouse the audience. And Well, if they were there, they would be. Right, <laughs> <so they were. laughs> um, the three people there on opening day were enjoying it, I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah, the, 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 the score for me was the best thing about this film, and and this is that scene. Yeah, it's James, super in it. Really, it's super. It's quite early on in the film. And you're like, holy shit, this is very very good score. It's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And then it's just really wonderfully shot. And then from there, uh, we cut to Casey in the present day, don't we? And she's up yes, to some we do. some crimes and stuff. Uh, how, Kate how, Canaveral crimes, and, but how how did you guys feel because? Obviously, we don't want to be negative on this pod, but how did you no. guys feel yeah. about the opening of the little banter between the pair of them Yeah, where Casey's off screen? I was like... We didn't need any of that. Yeah. It feels a bit like we've got we've got gorgeous George. Let's let's put him on straight away. You know, yeah, like, that's we exactly didn't need what it to feels do it. like. Yeah. And that's yeah. because, basically, George Clooney doesn't show up. We don't actually see George Clooney until, no. like, 60 minutes into the film. Yeah. That's tr- is that is that how long it is? Yeah, yeah. Because Jeez. we see him as a child. Obviously, suppose, he's not yeah. pl- he's not played by George Clooney when he's a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be so funny there's if he was some, some de-aging, <laughs> de-aging George Clooney with his like <laughs> just Clooney's head on a child's body. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix would have done it. Netflix would have done it. That smells like a studio note. To me, like, oh, we sort of need George in the first 10 minutes of the film to get to see him again for an hour. But you know, like, (laughs) what film was it? Um, Interstellar, when uh, I mean, obviously, it's Chris Nolan, one of the biggest, you know, bankable directors going, and McConaughey was in it, which is a big bankable actor. But you don't see Matt Damon. That's a real surprise, isn't it? When you see Matt Damon, he's not even credited in any of this bump before it came out. Yeah. I understand that, you know, you need. Uh, a big actor to sell a film. The, I mean, the fact this bombed maybe shows that's not a surefire maybe. way to make money. Yeah, maybe, yeah. If you don't reveal Clooney until that point where he comes in the actual film, yeah, that's going to make for a better film. I, I think, think so. Yeah, Artistically, well, yeah. that's going to make for a better film. But because the problem I, is, is he's plastered all over the 
poster and all over the market materials. But but do you know what I mean? Like if you if yeah. you took that thing to not do that and yeah, you yeah. sort of sold it as a because you what, Disney's a fucking massive name. So you can sell it on that alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is this do you think this is like uh, as you were saying before, lads, that um it's more a question of they're not relying on star power to sell this, although they've got it. They're relying on the bankability that they think they have in the word Tomorrowland. Yeah, they think that's a brand that everybody recognises. And yeah. In which case, then, why even put George Clooney in the movie? Because yeah. then you could save $20 million or however much you got paid to yeah, do yeah, this yeah. film. Yeah, because but you lose eighty percent of handsomeness, James. You do, you do lose a lot of handsomeness, but you could just like crass like Gene Hackman or someone like. <laughs> or you know, we're still we're always asking for JCVD to get another you know cast <laughs> against tight, you know. To be honest, if, if I'm trying to say that JCVD <laughs> is one of the smartest minds on the planet, and that's we, why we're, he's we're, we're going to Tomorrowland. We're going to Tomorrowland. They um, they would have had to yeah. they would have had to shoehorn in some backstory why he speaks with his French Belgian hey, accent. They, they, they went to Paris in it. They went to Paris in it. They do they do go to Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh well, where are we up to? I've got let's have a look here. Gorgeous grey joggers on Casey's dad. Not yes. enough grey joggers in films. Not <laughs> it's, enough grey joggers. It's a good point. It, it's a it's, it's a really it's a really svelte and for hench Tim McGraw, isn't it? Who's looking yes. very good these days with his Yeah. Clearly had hair transplants as well. <laughs> That's why he wore his cowboy hat all the time. <laughs> um, isn't the CGI brilliant in Tomorrowland? Yes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, really. It's universally fantastic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, as it bloody should be for that budget. To be of course, of course. But like, this is a case where, you know, like last week we were talking about CGI ageing a film. This yeah. feels totally integral to it yeah I, I, absolutely and what they've done what's a really good masterstroke is obviously brad bird isn't just an animation director but that's where he made his name and making films yeah. of pixar and stuff like that and this a lot of the time feels like a live action version of a pixar film like it's mm. quite cartoony in the way that the action sequences are put together but he knows how, where to put the camera and how to move it around and yes, how absolutely. to involve the cgi and a lot of the sets are practical as well which is great yeah, uh, but augmented by the CGI as well, and it just looks brilliant. So the first act sort of carries on in terms of uh, Casey's dad is a NASA engineer and they're getting rid of the platform at Cape Canaveral and she keeps messing about with it because she's really intelligent and she wants to keep it open so that her dad keeps her job. Anyway, she ends up getting arrested and then she makes bail at the police station. And when she makes bail at the police station, she gets her stuff back from the policeman uh, obviously possessions get taken uh, away from you when you go into a cell and within those possessions is a tomorrowland pin that she has never seen before and again another brilliant moment in this film it's is so well done she touches that pin. she's like this is not my pin and she literally picks it up and it just what do you call that like a pop edit simon whereby all of a sudden she's in this massive field of wheat and her performance is brilliant because yeah, it, it sort of just goes Boop, and she completely freaks out and she jumps yeah. back from... <laughs> she, doesn't she drop it straight away almost? Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, get like, yeah. We get maybe a second of this beautiful field before yeah, she's yeah. dropped it again. Um, this is For me, this is the joy of cinema. This moment. Yeah, yeah. And yeah it's brilliant. No, it yeah. For the next yeah. sort of 10 minutes while she's learning about this pin, this is proper joyous cinema. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Because obviously the pin, it 
sends her into Tomorrowland, but she's still within the real world at that stage. So it's I more like... I love that. I love that. So when she's walking, yeah. say she's walking into a room, when she meets where the edge of that room is, she'll walk into the door, even though she's what she's seen is a field outside. So yeah. when she gets picked up by her dad uh, from the police station and he's irate with her, she's like, touches the pin and she's in the car. Isn't she? And she's like sat down in the uh, as if she's in the passenger seat, traveling through this field of wheat towards Tomorrowland. And yeah, it's just great how it keeps popping from the real world into Tomorrowland as well, and it no really one else. Is. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. You said before about 1917, James, where it's like you know we were saying how well those cuts are masked. Yeah, yeah, and it looks really seamless. This is just brilliant because it's all done in sound design as well. So yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, she, she does it, and it, and it is like a match cut so they'll go out to the field and film it there's no like the there probably is a bit of green screen here and there but it yeah, yeah. actually looks like it's just they've just matched it and then they yeah. match cut it and then put a bit of sound effects either side to sort of make it a bit more seamless and it just works so it well really like does. all these moments when she touches that pin and she's about to get on a monorail isn't she to get into the city yeah 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 uh, but then she realizes she's in a swamp or something and she's just like yeah, oh, yeah. oh that's oh, amazing yeah that is amazing i, I love that I, all that it's brilliant like, this is none, none of it felt like an effect it felt like story yeah absolutely like telling yeah. a really good story and it's all wondrous and when she actually sees when she makes it too pro- Tomorrowland proper through, uh, via the pin. Turns out it's more of a promotional sort of yeah. experience, isn't it? To show yeah, yeah. her Give what you a Tomorrowland is like. Yeah. But everyone's zipping around on jetpacks, which is obviously Frank's influence years earlier. And yeah, everyone's yeah, got yeah. Jetpack. yeah. And it just, it's a fully realized world. Uh, I, you know, I never really liked Jurassic World that much when it came out, but that feeling of when the park was open, this was, is what that felt like in terms of Tomorrowland mm. was fully operational. And, it's, it's come of age almost. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And then she gets onto a monorail and she's going to, she wants to go up in a rocket, doesn't she? Yeah. And then she's in the middle of a lagoon. <laughs> And the and the pin stops working, so then she has to find out where the pin comes from, and that sends her to this memorabilia shop, doesn't it? In Houston, yeah, Texas, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is again another great sequence where it she is. learns a little bit really more about is. Tomorrowland, where these these geeky shop owners start telling her about it. But they're not all that they seem, are they, guys? No, I mean, um, Catherine Hahn is always brilliant. Yeah, she's everything so good. she's ever been in. I think she's been brilliant. She, she's. Uh, the the wife in Step Brothers, isn't she? Which I think <laughs> yeah, that's her. Yeah. Fa- that's my favourite role of hers. <laughs> yeah. Where she loves um, John C. Riley. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so good. She's so good. Like, and again, she gives everything to every role she's involved in. Yeah, yeah. She's and good. here is no exception whatsoever. Yeah, and uh, Keegan Michael Key is the yes, other he's just yes, so yeah. funny and everything. Yeah, and, and, and that's a really good joke as well, where he's like, he, he's like the the owner of the shop. Well, you, it appears he's the owner of the shop, and he's trying to do this big grand entrance, and the door shuts. You're not very good with your theatrics. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, like this is what we're getting though is that the fun quality is just there isn't it there is yeah. f- there's so much fun to be had which i think is why later when it gets a little like there's a few bits that dent that fun quality just a touch and it's things like the violence yeah you know yeah. the violence and the yeah, unnecessary swearing to find <laughs> that this this film is a 12a yeah. So yeah. In, for our American listeners, that's like the equivalent of a PG 13. Yeah. This film could easily have been a PG. Mm. Like, I, so there's no reason for it to have any sort of 
violence in it, really. No, there's no. It could have been a you. Could have been a you, this. It, it suddenly takes a turn when Athena tries to convince Casey that, uh, of, the, of the real nature of events, that she's from Tomorrowland and that she's yeah, like yeah. a And It all gets a bit grisly very yeah. suddenly. Because this is the point where it ties into what we saw with the, the young kid in the 60s. Yeah. Because Athena, who was the sort of kid who, who gave him the pin and he shouldn't have had it, she now appears in Casey's world, which is modern day, and she's the same age. And you're like, yeah. holy yeah. shit. And that's kind of what ties those two yeah. story threads together, isn't it? Like, exactly. Her, yeah. her appearance. Uh, and she's quite badass, isn't she? Because it turns out that the people in this Blast from the Past place are a pair of robot shits. They're the baddies, aren't they? <laughs> They're trying to track <laughs> yes. down Athena, who keeps giving pins to people who so that they can find out about Tomorrowland. Mm. At this point, what, we're like 40 minutes in? Yeah. I wish we hadn't have seen Clooney at this, by this point. Yeah, yeah. Because they realise the pin's not working and they say, oh, well, the last pin we've got is uh, with George Clooney's character. Yeah. And that's where they go and that's where we get introduced to Clooney. Yeah. And I just think it would have been such an amazing surprise if people yeah, would, it would watching have been this film yeah. as a family Disney movie. Yeah. Especially the kids don't give a shit as George Clooney. Well, if, no. you, if you're a parent taking your kids to watch this film and then 45 minutes into the film, which you're probably like, oh, you're going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Clooney pops up. Yeah, agree yeah. totally. But let's not forget that the kids can't really sit, go and see this because it's a 12A in this country. <laughs> yeah. Kids can't actually be there because of those decisions that never had to be made. If you're going to make a family film, then make a family film. Yeah, because this, this has got all the hallmarks of a family film except for... Yeah. Odd bits of crass language that didn't need to be there, and you know more than a few examples of really violent, violent moments that didn't yeah. also need well, to be Athena there. Well, Athena gets ploughed down by a pickup truck at one yes, point. Yes, yes. <laughs> She's a robot she, though. It's fine. She's, She's a, a robot, robot though. It's fine. No, but it doesn't look like it. You know, if my kids saw that, I'm like looking at the next six months with them all on my bedroom floor. You know, yeah. seriously, <laughs> like it, there's no way that that flies. Um, but uh, you know, and then there's got like. Um, Oh, there's so many bits. Of the, the the so they go to Clooney's house, don't they? You know, they yeah. Athena gets them to Clooney's house because he's been exiled from Tomorrowland. Yeah, and she's trying to convince Casey and Clooney to get together to go back to Tomorrowland to sort out the eventualities of what's going on. Yeah, he's been exiled, but because he's such a genius, he knows a way to get back in without yes. needing official key. He can sort of go in through the back Absolutely. door. So that's what the film then becomes is about them trying to get into Tomorrowland for like the next yeah. 25 minutes or so. And one of the most fun sequences comes up. So when Casey gets into Clooney's house, she tricks him to come outside mm. by setting a big uh, tractor on fire, which is quite funny. One of the things that made me laugh out loud and again question why this is in a family film is at one point she's like touching his stuff and he's like, oh, I'll kill you. And you know he doesn't really mean it. It's like... He's just exaggerating. But there's one point when she's messing about with stuff in his house while he's locked outside. He goes, I will knock you out. (laughs) (laughs) And that seemed worse to me than, like, he might punch her. Yeah. It sounds like Tyson Fury in a press conference. I just thought um, that's a weird wrinkle to be in this film. I I think that um, I'm going to come out right away and say Clooney is magnificent. He's, mag- he's, he's so brilliant. good in this film, isn't he? I saw so many reviews on Letterboxd saying that he phoned it in. And no, I don't, no, I don't think, think he did, he did at, all. at all. I, I think he's he's got a really difficult task here, actually, because he's yeah. in 
I don't know whether he knows he's in a, a supposed family film that's not really a family film. Yeah. So how you pitch that as an actor, I don't know. But at the same time, his, he's got a little team in this film, one of which is a 12-year-old girl that he was sort of infatuated with when he was a boy. Yeah, and yeah. the other is a 25-year-old woman who's actually playing something like a 17-year-old. And yeah. at no stage during any of it does Clooney come across as creepy or weird no. or no. does any of it come across as, as odd. And it's all down, I think, to Clooney's... Um, I think it's a brilliant performance. And it's just that movie star charisma. Isn't it? It so, is, but movie star honesty, you know, yeah. as well. Like he, he doesn't have to make this weird, you know. Um, no, exactly. But at no point is this sexual in any way, which is a real welcome relief. Actually, no, mm-hmm. I think it's good, and I, I think Britt Robertson is also a really good part of that. I think she's exactly, she's yeah, yeah, such yeah. a good lead. Yeah. She's honest. She's an on, like and honesty earnest as well. Yeah, yeah, honesty in the performance. At this time, she's what she's twenty five, and she's playing like yeah. a sixteen year old. Which is a bit weird, but I think yeah. that's Hollywood, yeah. though, isn't it? I think that's uh, just it. <laughs> that's why we we grew up as kids, going like, "Why do Americans look really older than we do?" This is what happens. Just just to slightly go back to the Power Rangers original series, I I think if you were looking at David Yost, who's playing the Blue Ranger, uh, <laughs> who's in high school, he's nothing less than thirty five. So yeah. <laughs> he he is he's got he's not just got stubble, he's got wrinkles. <laughs> Got receding hairline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it becomes very zero dark thirty at George Clooney's gaff. <laughs> Do you know those smiling <laughs> bastards would be plugging, double tapping people if they're given <laughs> half a chance? <laughs> For sure, they they are weird looking. Weird they're looking. funny though, aren't they? Like, I think that's quite good. I think that works in tone. Like, they've created these robots who are really quite violent and they're to clean up messes on Earth, sort of like a Tomorrowland version of Men in Black, but they're all cyborgs and they never stop smiling. They're so <laughs> creepy. <laughs> and then it becomes a bit like Home Alone, doesn't it? Um, like, yeah. Clooney's got all these traps because he's basically a doomsday prepper at this stage. In his life. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's and they escape in the bathtub after waxing glow in quite violent ways loads <laughs> of these robots. Well, I mean, not least um, where Casey baseball bats one of the the heads off, essentially, <laughs> yes. like oh, over and over. That isn't it. It yeah. really is, and that's like that's the bit where my kids were because I'd show my kids a lot of this, yeah. especially thematically. But then it's things like this would mean that I can't show them this. There's well, no way. I actually watched this when it was on BBC Two. I recorded it off there, and it was on oh, at yeah. four in the afternoon. So they'd made the necessary edits. So. Mm. We didn't see Athena get fully ploughed down by the pickup truck. Oh, seriously? Or Casey smash the guy's brains in with a baseball bat. I'd love (laughs) it if you could buy the, you know, um, what's that really famous? TV edit. Yeah, the TV edit versions of stuff. Like, you know, there's that really famous TV edit of Robocop, isn't there? Like, uh, where it's like, um, watermelons, was it? You know, like, Melon Farmer. Melon Farmer, that's it, you melon farmer. I'd love to, you know, so my kids could enjoy Robocop, I'd love to buy the Melon Farmer edit of Robocop. Like, yeah, like, Robocop, I watched very much as a child very yeah. much as a thanks child. nana <laughs> yeah definitely definitely at my nana's house it ah. definitely would have been uh, the melon farmer one <laughs> <laughs> without murphy's hand getting blown off by a shotgun yeah not acceptable oh, any of this geez. um yeah at this point we've got uh, casey 
we've got George Clooney and we've got um, Athena. Athena as well. Yeah, who... and Clooney's so great in these sequences because he basically talks to Athena like she's his ex-wife who's taken him for half. Yeah, yeah, like... it's, it's, yeah. That is that's such a good way of describing it, James. Because it, yeah. it, it, it that rings so true. It's like that's why you have to cast a really likable movie star in that role because he just yeah. spends. Half an hour being horrible to this eleven-year-old girl, <laughs> yeah, whether she's yeah. a robot or not, being really coarse and short with her, right? Yeah. And just basically telling her to shut up and get out of his face. <laughs> yeah, but it works. Like I find it really funny. It is. No, it is. It's uh, uh, like you say because it's Clooney, it works. Yeah, definitely. And they, yeah, they head off to Paris because what do you know? There's a rocket. Uh, embedded in the Eiffel Tower. Of course there is. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It's brilliant. It's so good. And the thing is, if you're not with the movie at this point, then, you know... Like, oh, yeah, don't bother. You've just got to go with it at this stage. Of course you have. Like, yeah, of course like, you Oh, right, so they're going to Eiffel Tower. Why? Oh, because it's a big antenna. Right, okay, that, I suppose. Right, fine. There's a what inside? There's a big rocket inside, and they're going <laughs> to fly it into space, then turn it around and point it back at the Earth and travel through dimensions to get to Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> love it, Crap. love it, love it. Love okay, it. Fine. yeah, I'm in. all right, I'm in. Fine. yeah, love it. I'm, I'm done. Um, and because again, it's just it's too, it's too on the nose with its joy and silliness to take yeah. that seriously. This and basically, there's a brilliant sort of writer's in joke in the script here, and it's brilliantly delivered by George Clooney during this sequence where because obviously. Casey has a lot of questions. She's like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And where are we going now? And he goes, do I have to explain everything? Can't you just be amazed and move on, basically? <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. That so that's basically super. Damon Lindelof and Brad Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt, Brad Bird going, <laughs> going, look, we haven't got time to, this is already quite a long film. We haven't got time to explain <laughs> yeah, all this. Yeah. Just, like, just be just amazed and it. move on. <laughs> that is quite funny. That is quite funny. Oh, it's ace. Um, I love the effects at this point, though. You know, where they always change dimensions or... Yeah. Everything from a yeah. technical standpoint, yeah. And I think it'll still look good in about 10 years' time as well. You're right, yeah. I don't think this film's going to date too badly. No, I, I really think, don't know? think it is. I agree with you. I don't but think it will. Cinematography score, production design, visual effects are all spot on here. Like, yeah. it's a great-looking movie. So very and very well made. really well-realised. Yeah. Really, really well-made, well well yeah, yeah. Yeah, which you'd expect for... Well, getting on for well, yeah. the budget of a small country. <laughs> so they get to Tomorrowland and then we uh, Hugh Laurie finally makes another appearance. Yeah. Yes. And Rob, I need to ask your opinion on this. Is this the wardrobe highlight of the film? Uh, Hugh Laurie's no. gorgeous coat? <laughs> um, I, I have made a note about it, but it's not because the bulk of my notes were made about um, Clooney's insistence on wearing mustard slacks for most of the film. <laughs> so... <laughs> to be fair, he did have to escape certain death. He hasn't prepped for what he's going to be wearing. No, no, I, I, I well, I'm not. You know, um, it's just now I want a pair of mustard slacks, but I've got Lovely. no occasion yeah. to wear them. Yeah, ever. Uh, so, yes, yeah. Hugh Laurie's coat gives him a bit of a SS officer vibe. I think. Yes, yes, it's a little too militaristic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, in fact, when he gets there, and and um, um, this is the only CGI in the film that I think didn't work, um, which in a film with this much CGI is a real accomplishment. Yeah, I think. yeah. But it's the one where the um, Hugh um, Hugh Grant's monorail. Hugh Grant, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
New Laurie's monorail um, comes in, and it comes in from the distance. You can see it snaking forward, and it yeah. just doesn't quite fit with the background. Yeah, I thought that looked curiously right. rubbish for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know what shoot or not, or with everything that's gone on, surely that's one of the easier things to sort <laughs> out. Think, but um, but no, that looked weird. But anyway, anyway, it's all by the by. I mean, like Hugh shows up, um, we get a lot of. Um, well, we find out what the real issue is here. Just as we were saying before, that Hugh will not tolerate saving anyone from Earth because yeah. they're way too pessimistic and he's got a lovely life with every all the positive people in Tomorrowland. Yeah. Um, and now I'm fully on board with Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> but George and Casey and Athena, they can't have that. No. And they can't have Hugh hoarding this paradise to himself. No. So they decide... So the whole crux of it is that because Casey is an optimist and if they find other optimists within the world, then they could come to Tomorrowland, brightest minds come together and actually fix the problems within the world. Because the whole thing throughout the film, one of the overarching themes is that having ideas is hard, but giving up is easy. And that's why Hugh Laurie is the villain yes. in, in, yeah. this, in this universe, even though we're all pretty much on his side and that's probably what we yeah. would do in the same Absolute, Absolutely right. And the other um, very, very key sort of message is that things are bad, things are bad, things are bad. And this is one that is very key to today in the way we all yeah. feel about, you know, a lot of things. But things are bad, things are bad. Well, what are you doing about it? What are you yeah, yeah. doing about it? Which is a very key thing that... Um, so, yeah, um, Hugh Grant... Oh, go, come on, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Laurie is all very much about... Um, well, yeah, we know things are bad, but you're not doing anything to fix it. So why yeah. should I bother? Why should I bother? Agree yeah. with him. <laughs> yeah. I agree with him. Um, right. t- to be fair to you, Rob, Hugh Grant would absolutely crush this role as well. Like, he'd <laughs> yes, be really yeah, good in that yeah. role. Like... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you know, the the horrible thing is, in my head, I'm not seeing Hugh Grant. I'm seeing yeah. Hugh Laurie. It's just I can't can't <laughs> say the word Hugh and a surname without it being Hugh Grant. I don't know why. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, during this business, Hugh manages to say the word bollocks in a 12A, which is a little bit heavy. Yeah, going. I think that was cut out of my version as well. Was it? Oh. <laughs> Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not very right. Um, and because uh, in America that's not a swear word because they don't refer to their testicles as bollocks. There, there's a new word for you, American listeners. Yeah, you had knackers on the last episode, and now you've got bollocks. If you want swear. to make dinner time a real PG thirteen, you know, <laughs> there you go. That's how you do it. Uh, there's a, a and also a moment where I mean this this end sequence is fascinating because the, you've got an open sort of dimensional door portal to a uh, yeah. nice lovely beach <laughs> yeah and they're fighting on it and Clooney and his mustard slacks go through uh, and so does Hugh Grant in his SS uniform no Hugh Grant again stop it Rob <laughs> Hugh Laurie in his SS uniform just let's just say Hugh Grant and then I'll dub over it and just go Laurie <laughs> Laurie Laurie <laughs> shall we do a few lorries when we finish, though. Si. Yeah, <laughs> pop them wherever you want. <laughs> I, I, I liked, I liked so much of this ending. Yeah, but something about it just let it was just a tiny bit short of what I hoped for. Yeah, I get that. I think the sequences that have come before it have been so well done. I don't think this is the strongest set piece in the in the film. Yeah, yeah. I like the portal bit and the robot getting chopped in half going out into the portal and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But then, like, it goes full Mac and me, doesn't it? Because (laughs) Athena takes one and takes a shot to the chest. I love that. So she, she sees Clooney getting shot. Because at this point, we know that you can see that 
in Tomorrowland, you can kind of see echoes of the future. Yes, yeah. yeah. And she sees Clooney get shot and she saves him. Yeah. yeah. So she jumps in front of the bullet, which I oh, I love that moment. I thought that was... Oh, yeah, it's a really good moment. And she's excellent, isn't she, as well? Uh, yeah, the yeah. young actress. Um, Rafi Cassidy is brilliant yeah, as yeah. Athena. Yeah. And she gets a cracking death scene as well, and they decide that they're going to destroy the future-predicting machine in Tomorrowland using her self-destruct so yeah. very much in although she does volunteer for it so it's not quite Daniel Craig throwing his best mate in a bin in quantum of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> but not far off you do that one time James you do that one time <laughs> constantly tarred <laughs> uh, and it brought the machine because that machine was just feeding the uh, the populace on Earth, the idea that the world will end, so what's the point in doing anything about it instead yes. of actually doing something about it? And then basically uh, Gorgeous George and and Casey decide that they're going to reopen Tomorrowland and get the world's brightest and best to come there to come and help fix the world. And Casey's got uh, some nepotism going as well and got a brother and... Uh, and her dad some cushy Bloody. jobs in Tomorrowland yeah. as well, and some gorgeous <laughs> outfits as well. They got the yeah, futuristic yeah. outfits going. Oh, they did. Yeah, they got um, they got the bonus package. I think on, on entry, you know. Yeah. Full, full what if her dad wasn't a NASA engineer? What if he was just like a bin man or something? <laughs> <laughs> Is he still getting a job in Tomorrowland? Are you optimist? Are you an optimistic bin man? You're on board. You're on board. <laughs> Is her brother the kid who played the guy out of Looper? You know the little, you know the Rainmaker in Looper. Ooh. Well, we could be. Is that the Don't same know. kid? We could be. Should we do? Some, shall I do some live googling? Ooh, uh, yeah, what what was the listeners young... love live googling? We get told that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> sure what's, what's his name? Uh, Nate Newton, played by Pierce Gagnon. Um, I hope that's right. And he was in. He is famous for. Looper. Yeah. Oh, he, good spot, the, Simon. Well he's done. the rainmaker oh. in Looper. Oh, Love you lovely man. Uh, he's also famous for Rio 2. So, you know. Uh, we all never win. seen. Yep. Never seen, never been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get a closing image here that is truly beautiful. Uh, yes. The wheat no, field is. with all the, really all the optimists is. emerging from it, looking at Tomorrowland. It's It's... Oh, it makes your heart sing. It's lovely. It does, yeah. And and then the movie's over. And what I had as a question for you guys, right, is you've got to think mm. pitching at this at this budget level that they were expecting this to be a franchise, you would think. Mm. But does it not just sort of end perfectly and like Yeah. yeah. Is that not it doesn't feel incomplete to me, the story, like there's no, you're right, explored. Right, like no. I, I don't just know like, what more I need to see here. I feel yeah. this finish is really great. Yeah. It, it's a good all-encompassing story, I think. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, oh, well, there's more of that to come in the second instalment of Tomorrowland. It's like, I don't know what they would have done, to be honest. No, yeah. In a way, I'm kind of glad that it didn't do so well because then we wouldn't have got a worse sequel because I genuinely think this is quite a good film. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, no, is, the the only really loose good. end I've got is what on earth happened to George Clooney's stupid clock. That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, they've just been that now because they've like, well, it's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy, so we're going to stop that, so now we're going to fix the world. Bosh, done. If I can get hold of um, Brad Bird's personal email address, I would like to ask him in privacy to see whether that was intended or not, the whole to camera bits. Because it the film does not need those bits. No, at it all. feels like yeah. a reshoot to me. What studios don't seem to understand is that if they're already in the theatre, then it doesn't matter when George Clooney turns exactly. up in the film. Exactly. Yeah. You can tell yeah, everybody yeah. he's in it. 
like, that's fine. Yeah. But just, the po- just was him on the poster, it's fine. Yeah, which you have anyway in sunglasses, which he never wears once. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this film, but that bit, I was just like, this is bollocks. It's poor, this, yeah. Yeah that, yeah, that whole bit just stunk of suits interfering. Well, uh, so uh, my next question is like, um, what's your favourite bit? Si, I can imagine that's not your favourite bit. (laughs) This is going to get awkward. (laughs) My favourite bit is George Clooney talking directly to Cameron. (laughs) 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 Of course not. That, uh, I've literally got a question mark here. F- favourite bit, question mark. I've not written anything in my notes. So what's your favourite bit? And I'll probably just magpie onto any of that. Yeah, um, I'm, I think there's loads of really great uh, moments. So I love the raid on Frank's house. That's really inventive, the way that they dispatch a lot of the robots yeah. with portals and flying bathtubs and magnets and, and it, lasers and all sorts. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Macaulay Culkin 2000. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, blast from, the blast from the past uh, store shootout is also great, but yeah. uh, we sort of touched on it and we talked about it quite a lot already. Just uh, Casey experiencing Tomorrowland via the pin in the jail and yeah. then out up yeah. to and uh, into the swamp, basically. It's just, it's just brilliant. It's just real spine-tingling stuff and really well-realised. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, si, what about yourself? Uh, my favourite bit? Uh, Keegan-Michael Key's dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, does that count as wardrobe? Oh, uh, yeah, that's not his styling uh, and wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Uh, my favourite bit's when Casey gets her hands on the machine that allows her to look around time. Oh, yeah. Ah. Everything in that bit is just amazing. I, it was and really get, satisfying. Yeah, it's like a bowling ball, isn't it, in front yeah. of her that she can she can swizz on a pivot. Yeah, yeah and, and the sound design of it is amazing. It's like, oh. it ends up really grim, like, as a scene. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I think it's just really inventive how it's done. And, like, even now, yeah. like, five years later, it's... You know what it turns out as is just really relevant when it comes to uh, what that scene was like trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love that bit. I thought that bit was really, really good. Ah, cool. Technically and also narratively as well. I thought it was really a really important. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Uh, I no, I I love both of those. Um, I think that my favorite bit is going to be a really small thing actually. That I'm going to actually find really hard to explain. Um, when um young Frank is on the monorail. Yeah, and he's going around Tomorrowland. As he's progressing, um, I was looking at the background because um, I just I found this um, vista of and skyline of Tomorrowland absolutely unbelievable yeah, to look yeah. at. And in the near foreground was a um, like a gherkin shaped, um, you know, like London's gherkin. Is yeah, it London's yeah. Gherkin? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's like skyscraper, um, but because of its curvature. Uh, and the way the sun was hitting it, obviously each pane of glass is slightly differently aligned. And such was the attention to detail in the sequence that as it as the monorail went around it, yeah. each pane of glass shone the sun differently at different points. It was that yeah. level of unreal detail that was given to that background. And that was when I looked at it and it was like, it's those really small things that, yeah. again, we talked about it last week about where a CGI moment can lose a film, all sorts. But this was part of the world, part of the story, and integral to it, and enhanced it. 
So it, yeah, yeah, so much craft has gone into this film. Yeah. It's crazy. F- five years later is a long time in CGI land, but it still looks amazing. Oh, astonishing, astonishing. Yeah. Really so, um, right, James, you're going to go last, as yeah. is our custom here on the FY podcast. We love honour and custom here. <laughs> uh, take that out. I have no idea why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for your reconsideration, Sai, we'll start with you. 100% yes. I really admired the tone of it. It was all really wholesome and sweet and optimistic and really innocent, which you would think is like really perfect fodder for a family movie. But it seems everyone is so really fucking miserable nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they're really cynical that they saw this bright-eyed optimism and they just met it with utter disdain and you know looking at the letterbox reviews and amazon reviews that kind of sees what happened i love brad bird i love george clooney and i think Britt robertson who was a bit annoying at the start as i mentioned with that whole like wedged in thing she really finds her feet and she's a great lead even though she's like 25 and she's playing like a 15 year old (laughs) (laughs) saved by the bell i'll agree right there (laughs) as a final word though i'm going to leave it to ollie richards who summed it up really well in his four-star review in Empire. And he said, uh, Brad Bird and Damon Lindelof have thrown everything they have at this film. And aside from a pause for breath at the end, they've made something funny, surprising, and packed full of wonder. And I think that's just spot on for me. Yeah, nice one, Ollie. Yeah, agree, agree. James, you go in a minute. Um, I'm going to say yes, simply yes. Reconsider this. Tomorrowland, come back off the dunce's chair in the corner and rejoin the class. Uh, there's too there's too many good ideas, and this is too good looking uh, not to watch, drink in, and enjoy. Uh, and that's fe- just Clooney. Woo-hoo-hoo! I'm a, no, it's that's not even Clooney. That's the mustard slacks. Uh, the effects are almost universally excellent. In fact, it's only that moment with Hugh Grant's monorail. Rob, come stop on, stop saying Hugh Grant. Stop saying Hugh Grant. <laughs> In fact, there's only that one moment with Hugh Laurie's monorail (laughs) that didn't really work for me. Um, But I'm absolutely invested and I'm in that world. Um, So much so that um, those vistas of Tomorrowland um, were so intoxicating, so massive and so full of promise that I feel a little, and I've worked it out now since we talked about it, I feel a little shortchanged with the ending that we ended up in essentially a dark room when we've got all that promise of Tomorrowland and it all happened in just some dark room with a with a portal door. Anyway, that's by uh, totally by the by. Clooney's deeply charming and pulls on those heartstrings. I genuinely enjoyed everything I saw here. I have no problem showing this to my kids, but if it weren't for the moments of weird swearing and, <laughs> and serious extreme violence. extreme violence that often features a baseball bat to the head. Um, for everyone else, it, it it's not perfect. But it's a load of fun and it's too inventive and wondrous to dismiss. So yeah, reconsider it. Lovely. James. Yeah, so it's my pick. So absolutely, I would put this forward for reconsideration. Uh, I think it's aged really well and is actually better than I remember it being. It feels so current 
you know, the environmental issues, disregard for science, experts, ideas in general, and the embracing of the apocalypse feels really on message for 2020. So mm. digging those themes. They're big themes as well to put into a oh, they are, yeah, tentpole yeah. summer family movie. So well played, everyone. The ambition to make an original movie at this budget level is to be applauded. It is a little uneven in places and can get a little bit preachy. But that aside, this is an aggressively optimistic family adventure bursting with ideas and brilliantly executed sex set pieces. Uh, the film sex encourages... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know when you've been drinking beer and sometimes you get a bit of backwash? That's what happened. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt the flow, but yeah, just got to... No, no, let, let me take that paragraph again. <laughs> There are no sex pieces in this. (laughs) Basically, uh, the film encourages you to be amazed. And don't ask too many questions. Just be amazed and move on. I love that, Jane. Totally right. Totally right. Um, Yeah. Isn't it lovely? Uh, This is one of those moments where um, I'm so glad that we do this podcast because I openly said to you guys at the beginning that I had no interest in this. But I had a blast. I had a really yeah. great time. Yeah. And it's a more, really more, good movie. I it think. is, yeah. And <laughs> I if I wasn't is. doing this podcast, there is no way I would have touched a like a big CGI dominated George Clooney movie yeah. with Disney with a barge pole because just because usually I, like I, I tend to view my you know when I get a chance to watch a film now it's more like right I've got to watch something that I've wanted to watch for ages. Um, yeah. But because I, I like this was on our slate this week, I watched it and I'm so happily surprised. So it's mm. great. Really yeah, lovely. Really good. I, yeah. I, I I would class it as a film ahead of its time as well. I think. Yeah, just, yeah, you, know, you might be right there. It's you saying things right what people are saying now, which no one was saying five years ago when it was. Made. Yeah. No. And I think maybe five years ago, a lot of the sniffy reviews were saying it was preachy and it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying things to be, but. If that's released now, yeah, it's exactly what people are saying now. Look at the world; Australia yeah. is literally on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so maybe maybe we couldn't discuss this in, uh, you know, if this came out this year, maybe we couldn't discuss it because it might have been reviewed a load better and yeah. made a lot more money. We might not have been able even be able to go near it. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, lads. Right, thank you for listening. Please send us nice reviews to your podcast service of choice. Come chat with us on Twitter at FOR Film Pod. And please enter our T-shirt comp to be the very first owner of an FYR T-shirt. Seriously, you will be the first one of person a kind. One ever of a kind. owned one of these. In fact, we might retire the design afterwards. That's how serious we are that this <laughs> is going to be an original piece of merch. Remember, all you've got to do is share or retweet the shout-out for this Tomorrowland episode, and you're in the draw to win the T-shirt. Um, and it will twin, I'm uh, so I believe, uh, perfectly with those outstanding mustard slacks that I know you've got sitting in the wardrobe. So, uh, <laughs> say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Uh, George Clooney is not going to apply for this competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, it well, depends that... if he kept any of his wardrobe from Tomorrowland. As Rob says, hey. the T-shirt will go perfectly. It will go perfect. perfectly. I'm, I'm hoping that he has got, you know, like, can we build, like, uh, bye, everyone. Uh, but but, <laughs> but <laughs> Thanks for listening. We need to build the perfect FYR outfit. You know, I mean, we, we could do, I think. It's start with crisp Timberlands. And then we'll go up to Mustard Slacks. 
Um, then maybe <laughs> maybe topless with the belts from um, John Carter, <laughs> you know, across the pectorals. Oh, the, 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 the cross. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, you look like oh, I don't know what you look. Is this like part of the episode? I don't know. I'm already thinking about it. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, isn't life wonderful? Just be amazed and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>